were so overcome with joy that a song just came out of your mouth. I mean, last time you were in the shower and you grabbed your soap and busted out Eye of the Tiger, okay? Anybody ever done that? Okay. That, that's my personal theme song. That's what plays in my head when I'm walking around, Eye of the Tiger. But, uh, um, but um, I'm talking about not just that. I'm talking about a moment when God really was moving you. And, and you couldn't help but sing. You know, when you think about it, inspiring songs have been written on battlefields as people have gone through tough times. Inspiring songs have been written between relationships as they articulate love and passion. And inspiring songs have marked world events, uh, personal events. And, and when you think about what songs do, what do songs do? They, they expose souls. They, a song that comes out exposes the soul of somebody. A song, uh, reveal, it reveals love. A song uh, marks significant moments. And, and when it comes to the Christmas season, the coming of Christ inspire, has inspired some of the most beautiful music ever written. And in Scripture, we see several songs. Now, we don't know the rhymes or the rhythms necessarily, but, but we get the lyrics. And it's these songs that have come out of, we looked last week at Mary's song, this song that came out of her heart. Tonight, today, we're going to look at Zachariah's song. Uh, next, next week, we're going to look at, the, at these, these angels that, that sing this song that come out of them, uh, which is so fascinating to me. Then, then uh, on Christmas Eve, I hope you come on a, one of our candlelight services, we're going to look at Simeon's song. This incredible truth that comes out of Simeon, and, 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 and there's so many incredible songs. And, and you know, when, when you think about the, this event, the, the event of Christ coming to the earth, uh, I mean, God in the flesh coming in this miraculous way into human history. It's, of course, it's going to be such a, a magnificent event. Songs are written and, and, and inspired. And, and when, when, when you think about Zechariah, he, he's the father of John the Baptist. And if you have your Bibles, turn to, to Luke chapter 1. That's where we are today. And in Luke chapter 1, you, you, you see the story of, of Zechariah. Now, what Luke is doing, Luke is the author of this book, and, and he's writing an orderly account of, of the coming of Christ. And it's an orderly account. Luke was a doctor, and, and, and so he was detailed, and he paid attention to details. And, and what Luke is doing, he's interviewing eyewitnesses to the account of Christ. That's what he's doing. He's walking around, he's moving around, and, and he's finding these people that are still alive. It's what brings credibility to the gospel of Luke. Because Luke is interviewing eyewitnesses that, that saw Jesus, that, that knew Mary, and, and that knew these things. And, and, and it's incredible as you, as you look at his account. And in his account, he starts with Zechariah and, and Elizabeth. For them, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Luke 1 tells their story, uh, gives the most uh, uh, detailed account of their story. Zechariah was a priest. And, uh, and we saw Elizabeth last week a little bit when Mary went to see Elizabeth. Now, to give a little background of this, Zechariah was a priest. And, and you know, he, and we got to realize that this is a big time in the history of the world because a prophet had not spoken in over 400 years. Now, think about that. God's people were just reading Isaiah and, and Zechariah and, and, and the prophets of old, but, but a prophet had not come in the flesh for over 400 years. 
And Zechariah, they're, they're just going through the, the journey of the, the, the Pharisees had come into play, and they'd been written, writing these things about, about the law, and, and the priests were in play. They were going into the, into the temple, and Zechariah was a priest. And he was one of, uh, Josephus tells us, he, he was one of 20,000 priests that were serving at this time. And it's interesting because it was a tough time in the, in the history of God's people because there was a lot of immorality. There was a lot of conflict between the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and, 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 and there was a lot of persecution among God's people. I mean, it was a tough time. There was immorality. The Romans were immoral people in, in many ways. They, I mean, they had a passion for, for law and, 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 and order and conquering, and, and there was Roman peace in the world because they had conquered so many things. There, there was Roman law that they had instituted. Uh, uh, they had built all these roads, these systems of roads. And, but, but it really was a tough time because, because um, the, the Jews were in bondage. They were slaves. They were essentially had to do what the Romans, they were conquered. They had to do what the Romans told them to do. And, 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 Zacharias and, and Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were known as, as righteous people. You know, it's interesting. They, uh, in this moment, Zechariah had entered his, his priestly service. And, and of these 20,000 priests, they would come to the temple in Jerusalem and, 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 and a, they would draw straws. And the person, and there would be one priest a year that would be allowed to go into the inner part of the temple. And if you got to go, if you were chosen out of all those priests to go into the temple, you could only do it once in your lifetime. I mean, think about that. It'd be like one time in your entire life you get to go into the inner temple and sprinkle the, 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 the altar and be in the, in the Holy of Holies. And that year, Zechariah was chosen. And he goes into the temple, into the inner part of the temple. And they would tie a rope around him because if you died in there, you, no one else is going to get you. They're going to drag you out because you are going into the Holy of Holies. And Zechariah entered the temple. And Luke 1 tells us as he entered the temple, fully expecting to be by himself, there's an angel of the Lord there, which probably flipped him out. Okay, he goes in. He's like, oh, my goodness. And the angel says, hey, Relax, it's okay. And the angel of the Lord is with Zechariah, and it's a fascinating moment as he entered uh, to put the incense on the temple. And look at verse 6. One of the things we know about in chapter 1, one of the things we know about Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. So it's interesting that these were righteous people. Zechariah was, was a righteous man. Elizabeth was a righteous woman. They were following the Lord. They had a heart to follow the Lord. And, 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 and they were a couple that, that were pushing one another to that. And, and, and the thing that we know about Zechariah and Elizabeth is they had prayed for a child for many years. But now they're old. And, and they thought, well, they've given up on that prayer. I don't know if you've ever given up on a prayer. Have you ever prayed for something? And you keep praying and you keep praying and it's not answered. Do you know that there are some times when you pray that God will say yes? You know that, right? There are times that, and we've, we've experienced that. I've experienced God. Um, I remember praying to Mary Robin. She broke up with me and I was like, Lord, I want to marry her. I really do. And I prayed for that and, and I wore her down. And me and the Lord wore her down and she finally agreed to marry me. It was a great day uh, in my life. Um, but, but, you know, 
there are times we pray and God says yes. There are times we pray and God says no. Now, that's good for us, isn't it? That's good for us when God doesn't. Aren't you glad God hasn't given you everything you've asked for? Aren't you glad about that? Think about that the next time God says no to you. Because his plan is always the best plan. Do you know there are times we pray and God says, wait, wait. And it's in that process of waiting that God teaches us that he's faithful. And, and this is where Zechariah and Elizabeth were. They had prayed for a child. And God kept saying, they didn't realize this, so they thought it was no. But God was saying, wait, wait. And, and it's interesting as this unfolds, this story unfolds, because um, now you see Zechariah, and, and he goes into the angel, and when the angel says to him, you're going to have a child, he doesn't believe him. Now, I want you to know something. If, if an angel ever shows up to you, first of all, you're going to know it, okay? You're going to know that that's an angel of the Lord. So don't be, uh, even though the Bible says we sometimes under, entertain angels as unaware. If an angel comes and addresses you with a message from God, you will know it, I believe. And um, now, it's interesting, if an angel tells you something and addresses you like that, take him at his word. Okay, just do it, because Zechariah didn't. And so what did the angel say to him? You're not going to be able to speak until your son is born. You're not going to be able to communicate until your son is born. Now, Zechariah was a preacher. Now, I think of, I can relate to this. To me, like a preacher not being able to speak or to preach, that's like, I was trying to think of, what is that like? And now my mom is an amazing cook, but my mom, made, my mom made one mistake in all of my life. She watches online, so I need to clarify that. My mom is an amazing cook, okay? Mom, you're amazing. But one time she made a cherry pie, and in the haste of putting the ingredients together, instead of sugar, she used salt. <laughs> You've ever done that? Oh, it smells so good. Oh, the cherry pie smells so good. And, and, and we're like, ooh, I can't wait for the cherry pie. I mean, it's dessert season, right? You need to watch that a little bit, okay? Um, but, but, I mean, we couldn't wait. The pie smelled good. It was brown, flaky crust. And, man, we cut into that. I had the first piece, and I, I took a bite of that. I'm like, this is not right. It's not right, okay? A, a preacher that can't preach, there's something that's just not right about that. And, and so Zechariah, in, in his journey with the Lord, he couldn't communicate. And so then, all of a sudden, John is born. His son is born. And, and, and this whole pregnancy, he can't, I mean, think about this. An angel of God showed up to a preacher to give him a message, and then he leaves and can't say anything for months. That, that to me, I, I feel that. I can relate to that. And it's what's interesting is the second that God released his tongue what comes out this song of praise and this song of praise says so much about God and I want us to look at this and I don't know if this was more of a rap uh, I don't know I don't know what kind of song this was I don't know if Zachariah's tongue is being released and you hear this I don't know I don't know about that that's the best I got on beatboxing, okay? But, uh, but I don't know the tunes, but here's the, here's, look at verse 67. And after his father, Zechariah, 
And after his father, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Now look at this. The, you know, when I, when I, if you're following along in, in the notes, uh, Zechariah, here he is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has spoken to him and, and has led him. And what is he saying? Point number one is this. He's saying, hey, everybody, God has showed up. God showed up. God came here. God showed up. God is showing up. God came to my house. And, and, and my, my son, and we saw last week when, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, John leapt within her womb. And Zechariah, this praise comes out. Look at this. Blessed be the God of, of Israel, for he has visited us. And that's, the, that's, that's amazing that God, he, God came to what? To visit us. Think about that. God visited us in the flesh. And that's what's so significant about Jesus. That's why we have to see who Jesus is because the Bible proclaims that this is, this is God in the flesh who visited us. And he says in this song, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited. You know what? See, I, I pray you see Jesus and who he is. He's not just a baby in a manger. He's the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, the one who came to save. He's the only way to heaven. And God visited us. Why'd he come? Zechariah says this, to redeem us. Filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 67 says, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. The word redeemed means to, to pay back, to pay a price, to buy back. And what has God done? He, he came to buy us back. He came to, to, to rescue us, to, to restore us. This is, this is why we've got to see that, that, that Jesus is not just one option of all the, the religious smorgasbord or, or buffet in the world. He's not just an option. And, and we see these, this, this push to go, oh, well, well, Jesus is just an option. No, no, he's the only way to eternal life. Because who else is God but him alone. God visited us. And what did he do? He came to redeem us. There's no one else that has the power to redeem. Muhammad. There's, there's no other, think about all the, the wisdom of the world, Confucius and all these, these ancient wisdom, that, 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 that the, the wisdom of man falls short. And God knew this. So God came to redeem us, to visit us. To redeem his people. He also came to, to rescue us. And this is what he came to do. You, you, I've got to, I hope that you see that, that apart from Christ, you're, you're in bad shape. People are in bad shape without Christ. They're hopeless. Hopeless without Jesus. And, and we've got to recognize that. And, and, I, and I wonder sometimes if we believe that. If we believe that, that people without Christ are hopeless. Without Jesus, 
You know, when I, when I started work with the International Mission Board, um, I was a part of David Platt's last meeting. And he got up and at this meeting at the International Mission Board a couple of, it's about a year and a half ago, and he said, he told a story about being at a conference on world evangelism. And, and he said, he goes, it, it was shocking to me because uh, this is a conference on world evangelism. And he, and he says, uh, I, I was talking about we don't just need clean water around the world. Because if we just deliver clean water, then, then you know what? People are going to go to hell with clean water. And we've got to make sure we, we tell them about Christ. And you know, as, as he, Twitter blew up on that moment. How dare you say that, that we don't need clean water? He's like, well, time out, time out. I'm not saying we don't need clean water. But, but this is where I think about us and the people in our lives that, that we, we have sometimes a tendency to say, look, I, I'm just going to be nice to people at my work. And we should. We should be a witness. We should be nice. And we should be great employees. But, but let me tell you something. With, with everybody in our life, we've got to get to the point where we say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what he can do for you. Sometimes we are silent with our mouths. And, and, and I pray that that's not who we are, that we are witnesses for Christ, that, that we share the gospel with people around us. And, and this is the reality. God came to rescue us. That's why I want to be careful as we have the mission here. With, with it's a beautiful ministry of our church. And we, we do need to meet people where they are, but if we just hand them food and are silent about Jesus, then... Are we really helping them? And we've got to recognize Jesus came to rescue us, he says. Verse 69, look at this. And Zechariah says, and, and, and he came to, to, he visited us and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Uh, what is a horn in Scripture? A horn in Scripture is, is this proclamation that, that the battle is won. When the horn sounds, it's like we won. And see, Zechariah says, the horn has sounded, the battle has just been won. Why? Because God showed up, right? He, he, he says, okay, it's over. The battle has been won. Now, what, what the first century uh, uh, children of Israel missed was that they thought Rome was the enemy, but Satan was the enemy. And see, Satan knew, I know Jesus. Remember um, Acts 19 is my one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Remember that? The seven sons of Sceva. Remember those guys? I would have loved to have been there. That would have been, that, that, that's one of the most comical moments in Scripture. Because they were walking around and they were casting out demons. And they came upon this demon-possessed man. And they said, in the name of Jesus, come out. And this demon answered them. Jesus I know. Paul I heard of, but who are you? And then they beat all seven of these brothers up and they ran naked and bleeding. I love that story. And so see, the second Jesus showed up, Satan knew he was defeated. He tried to rally Herod and they killed all these babies at that time. And, but guess what? What plan of God could ever be thwarted? None. And so this horn of salvation, Zechariah says, 
in the house of his servant David. And he spoke, verse 70, and he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us. Who are our enemies? It's Satan. Satan hates you. He hates me. He hates our church. What is Satan's plan for you? John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And, and so we see that, this, that, that Jesus came and Zacharias says, he's come to rescue us from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. See, Zechariah is saying he came to show mercy. Well, what is the mercy that he, that he showed us? He canceled our debt. Didn't he, didn't he do that for you? Have you, I, I had a moment where, where Jesus canceled my debt. It's like that old song I sang as a, with our students as a youth pastor that, that he, he paid a debt he did not owe because I owed a debt that I could not pay. See, I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, because Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. That's one of those songs that has been written later, that comes out of this horn of salvation that Jesus came to rescue us. And, and, and what he says, he goes, look, this is like the prophets of old. And one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and, 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 and it's one of those passages that you have to think about. It's, it's 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll put it on the screen, and, and this is in the NIV because it's how I memorized it. But, 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 but Zechariah points to the fact that these prophets of old that they pointed to this, that God is, is keeping his promises. And, and what did Peter write? He says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the things that have now been told to you, they searched intently and with the greatest care. So you have Isaiah, you have Zechariah, you have Malachi, you have all these prophets, the, the major prophets and the minor prophets. And, and, and don't get hung up, the, the, the minor prophets aren't, aren't minor because their prophecies are, are less. They're minor because they're shorter. And so understand that. And, and these prophets, they're searching intently and with the greatest care, trying to find the times and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing. When they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. As these prophets are wrestling through this, going, okay, Christ is going to suffer and, and these things are going to come to pass and, and how's this all going to work out? And then he, Peter writes, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you and me. When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you, by those that have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Isn't that crazy? That angels long to look into these things, how, how the prophets spoke and, and how all the pieces come together. And out of this, Zacharias sings this song and says, oh my goodness, God, you've kept your promises. It's beautiful. Now, I got to hustle, but 
I want you to, in point number two is this, I want you to notice our connection with John's job description because it goes on, verse 76, and you child will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. So, so look at John's job description here, because Zechariah is saying, he's singing the song of, a, of look at what my son is going to do. But as we look at what he does, I want you to notice our connection with John's job description. Do you know we have the similar job description? Yeah, right there, verse 76, Zechariah says, my son's going to serve his purposes. He's going to serve the purposes of God. Don't you know that that's our call? We're called to serve the purposes of God. Our house has been a little crazy this weekend. We've had like, I don't even know how many kids have been staying at my house this weekend. I, I don't even know. It's been, uh, I don't, 17, I think, have been at my house all weekend. I keep seeing new people come down the stairs. I'm like, hey, I've never seen you before. How's it going? My, my son has brought all these people home from, from college. And, and uh, it's just cost us a lot of money with food. That's what I've known. I just keep putting food out and it keeps getting eaten. But it's been fun to have this, these kids having conversations, talking about what, is, what does God want you to do in your life? And they're at this time in life where they're going, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, that should be every day for us. To get up every day, God, what do you want me to do? He says, to, my son's going to serve his purposes, verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit from on high. Isn't that beautiful? He's saying the sunrise is going to visit from on high. My son's going to give knowledge of salvation to his people, the forgiveness of their sins. What is John, what is he saying? John's going to live a life that give, gives evidence to salvation. And I think about us. We're called to live lives that give evidence to God's salvation. And that's who we are. Isn't that the life you want to live? And he says, to give light, verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now think about this. Zechariah was told, your son is going to be a forerunner of the Messiah. You know what? We're not forerunners of the Messiah. We have a similar job description, though. We're post-runners of the Messiah. But we're forerunners to the second coming of Christ. I mean, I mean, I'll tell you what, I, I want to be a faithful post-runner to the Messiah. And, and I'll tell you, as your, as your pastor, I'm going to do everything I can to, to, to live that out in my life, but also push us to be faithful post-runners of the Messiah. And, and I love this job description for John. He's called to be a forerunner of the Messiah, to, to clearly communicate the messages of salvation. And this is our call, to clearly communicate this message. And, and I think about, okay, it's 20, 2019. Remember, if you've been around here for a while, 2019, we, we had a gospel challenge. Excuse me, we have a gospel challenge because it's still 2019. And the gospel challenge was this, to, to, to pray for one that you're going to sit down and share the gospel with. Have you done that? It's not too late. 
we got two weeks left, right? Christmas Eve is a great time to, to, be a, to have the gospel challenge. Guess what? Get ready because in 2020, we're going to have a new one. And you've already seen it. We'll see if you can catch it. I'll see how good a job we did communicating it. But, but, but the truth is, I think about this call that we have to, to, to point the world to Jesus. And I, I think about 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, that says, Therefore, if anyone in Christ, is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The, the old, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That blows my mind. That God would give you and I the ministry of reconciliation. That God is reconciling the world to himself. And then the end of that famous passage is a greatly impacting verse in my life. That we are therefore ambassadors for Christ. It is as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Why? Because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. When I look at John the Baptist and I think about his calling, we have a similar job description. But I want to live that out. Now, lastly, I, I look at verse 80. And then Zechariah, Luke tells us, Zechariah's song is over, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. This is a big deal. A prophet had not spoken in over 400 years. And Zechariah is going to raise the the, late, the, the, the the first prophet in over 400 years. Think about that parenting responsibility. How would you like to be the one that messes up the prophet that hasn't been, I mean, the first prophet in 450 years? Yeah, that's a parent that needed to pray as he raised his son. But I'll tell you what, point three, I don't think Zechariah was worried because point three, we must always remember, God keeps every promise he makes. I want you to know that. Recognize that. God keeps every promise he makes. God made this promise to the prophets. And Zechariah prayed, Lord, you kept your word. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to stand and preach the funeral of Clarabelle May. She was a member of our church. And I'm gonna, we're going to miss her. You know why? So, and and I, I'm going to say this tomorrow, but if you don't come to her service, I want you to hear this today. Somebody is going to have to step up and take her place. Okay? Because if, if not, like a spiritual giant in the life of First Baptist Owasso went to heaven this week. She's over 100 years old. And um, but you know what people would do for Clarabelle? Claire they would meet her in the foyer and hand her things to pray for during the week. 
And I'm telling you, we need some people to step up and pray like she's praying. She prayed. Okay? Who's going to step up to that? But, but can I tell you something? When Claire Bell went to be with the Lord, she realized God kept every promise he makes. When you go be with the Lord, you know what you're going to discover? God's going to keep every promise he makes. Now, you know what's so cool? And this stood out to me, and I want to just share this with you. I want you to flip over to John chapter 10 real quick. In John chapter 10, we know the story of John the Baptist. He ends up dying, and, and this is what's crazy. is John was right in, the middle, right in the middle of God's will. This, is mess, this messes up people's theology because John was right in the middle of God's will, and he gets his head cut off. You're like, wait a minute. If I'm in the middle of God's will, I mean, I'll be safe, right? And not all the time. God does not call us to safety. John died. Uh, and it was kind of messed up deal the way he died, if you know the story. You got to go read it if you don't. You got to go read it if you do. It's a good, crazy story. But Jesus is now in his ministry in John 10. In verse 40, in John chapter 10, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him. And they said, John did no sign. But everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. That is super cool. John got to the end of his, John died, and the end result of his life was that the people that heard John teach and live and work, all they could say is everything he said about Jesus was true. Man, that might be my new life verse. It's not, because I like Ephesians 4.1, but, but I'll tell you what. And I think about a legacy to leave. Kelly, I hope my children will be able to look at my life and say, you know what? Everything my dad said about Jesus was true. I hope that my grandchildren, that I'll live such a life that they'll say, you know what? Everything my grandpa said about Jesus was true. I think about the legacy of our church. You know, we're not a perfect church. But I pray that we live the kind of, leave the kind of legacy that everything we said about Jesus was true. Is that, is that the legacy you're leaving? Can I just ask you, if you're here today and, and you're hearing the voice of God, recognizing that you've not been saved, that Jesus is not in your life, can I, can I just stand in front of you and say, stop pushing him away? Turn to Jesus today. Let's Let's get serious about this walk with the Lord.
because C.S. Lewis was right when he said one thing about Christianity cannot be, it cannot be mildly important to us. Jesus has saved us, and we can't be quiet about it. How has God spoken to you today?